This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Coming up on the program, we're uh, going for a walk with Elliot Friedman here in a couple of moments. Allison Lucan will join us as well, Seattle Kraken analyst and co-host of the Too Many Men podcast. She will be aboard to talk about Seattle, what happens with Shane Wright and Maddie Benitez lighting it up. And don't look now, but the Seattle Kraken after 12, after uh, how many games they played here? 11? No, 10? 11? 5-4-2, I believe, is the record. 12 points, third in the Pacific, not doing too bad. Uh, Mike Fuda from the NHL on Sportsnet will be aboard. Gary Lawless as uh, Vegas looks for their 10th win this season. Golden Knights insider and radio analyst as well. We'll talk about the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll talk plenty about Jack Eichel, and we should have a conversation about Bruce Cassidy as well. Meanwhile, let's walk with Elliot. Uh, he's out for his daily walk, and he joins us each and every day from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Freach. Your voice sounds a bit raspy. Were you up late last night? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just fighting something. I don't know what it is, Uh-oh. but I'll tell you what. I don't mind. I don't mind. No, hang on. I don't mind. You know why? Because my voice always drops an octave, and it sounds better. Normally, my voice is too high for, you know, to be a, a responsible broadcaster or to have anyone actually put me on air. But now I almost sound passable. How about that? Because it's down an octave. Okay, so this reminds me of a story. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, years and years and years ago, yeah. so a long time ago, he was uh, dating someone. Yeah. And uh, uh, she had, they were at a restaurant and she was coming off a bit of a cold. And so her voice was yeah. really deep and really raspy. And they were in the middle of, yeah. I don't know, lunch or dinner, whatever it was. And someone from the next table leaned over and said, uh, excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt, but I just want to say that you have a really sexy voice. And we were debating, <laughs> oh was my. that offside or not? Like, is that off? Do you take that as a compliment? Or you're like, hey, buddy, get away from my girlfriend and go back to your own table. Now, let me just say, Jeff, I for think, the record, hmm, I do not find I, you. I don't, I don't think you sound sexy right now, but I did notice the change. <laughs> don't worry. My wife feels the same way that you do. Um, <laughs> it, maybe, if you'd, maybe if that person leaned over and said, oh, sorry, I thought Kathleen Turner was behind us. What a voice you have, young lady. Then that would have had like a little bit of spice to it. But as it stands, I'm sure some people... Uh, some people would be offended. Some people wouldn't be offended. And as some people will use this as a transition, we're offended at the um, lack of engagement by Austin Matthews and Travis Konechny yesterday. Uh, Sheldon Keefe went out of his way to praise his team, specifically Mark Giordano. Uh, Bunting got involved as well. You know, at the beginning of the show, I sort of positioned this as you can look at that Konechny Matthews exchange a couple of different ways. You know, Mike Rupp on Twitter last night, you know, said like this yeah. is a bad omen for the Maple Leafs. Matthews isn't fighting his own fights. Everyone's jumping in there and he's just smiling and laughing. You can look at it that way. The other way you can look at it as, and I was bringing up the Gretzky example with McSorley and McClelland and Don Jackson and Kevin Lowe, etc. This is a team that's standing up for their superstar and making sure that, you know, the gloves stay on uh, the hands, especially when you can Consider Austin Matthews has a history of wrist injuries. That's probably the last thing anyone on this team wants to see. How did you see that scenario? Well, first of all, I think Mike Rupp is uh, really good at his job, and I thought that was a really interesting video. I'm sure that the Toronto Maple Leafs are saying, "Like, come on! Like, we just we just won a game. We absolutely had to have our captain broke out with a huge night. Our team looked really good. As you said, we stood up for each other at the end." this is the last thing we're worried about right now. Now, like mm-hmm. I think in the future, because 
like in the future, I'm sure they'll say, "Hey, just grab someone." Like you don't have to fight anybody, but just grab someone so it doesn't turn. The other thing too is we don't see this stuff much anymore. I think a lot of us kind of miss it, but we understand with everything we know now, we don't see it as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe in the future he grabs someone, but the way I look at it in general is um, they needed that win. They, they, like, there was no excuse not to win that game last night. They're a better team. It was set up. They were sitting at home for two days. Philly had played the night before. They fell behind early. They came back. They were the dominant team at five-on-five. Like I said, the captain was great. Giordano stood up for the team's best player. I mean, if you're the Maple Leafs, you're probably looking at this and saying, this is what we're talking about at the end of that particular game. You shrug it off and you just say, (laughs) look, in the future, uh, in the future, uh, maybe just grab someone. I I have to say this. I would say in the the overall organizational priority uh, of last night and this morning and the reaction to that game, I think that's a very low priority. So I can't, I, I can understand the frustration on Konechny's part. Like I know a lot of people are, for you know, sure. I, think, I think, you know, we heard, we, we heard, we heard the phrase skill it up, which goes back to Arizona Anaheim last year with Matthews going between the legs and a game. that's already but, but, By the way, like, like I, I can under, always I can, make, but you know what, Jeff, the thing that drives me crazy about when people bring that up is like, uh-huh. that's not what happened that day. I know that. I know. Oh, I know. Oh, podcast, I know. But that's the way. That's. But the, that's not why that's, Jay Beagle that's the did way what it's he framed. did. So I think the whole thing is stupid. No. Yes, uh, I, and I, I, we've been through that plenty of times other here on the podcast, and I agree. It's been misre- misrepresented that way, but that's the stereotype that comes along with that. Um, yeah. Here's the thing about Philadelphia. The thing about Philadelphia right now. So October's over. We're now into November, and we saw this in the Ranger game. Like, listen, I get with Philly. Like, Philadelphia is riddled with injuries. We all know what happened last season. Um, it's going to be a really challenging year. And, like, they exceeded expectations in October full stop, okay? You know, the Ranger game the night before, Igor Shosturkin barely needed to, you know, get to the hot towels at the end of it, okay? Um, mm-hmm. Last night, tilted ring, 44-25 with the shots on goal. The frustration now, and they have a lot of guys that can answer to this, whether it's you know Nick Delorier, etc., Nick Sealer. Um, I can understand the frustration of feeling that you're chasing the puck for three periods. Yeah. And you saw it in the Ranger game, and you saw it against the Maple Leafs yesterday. Like to me, that was the Philadelphia Flyers saying, "Oh man, is this what we're in store for all season? We've been chasing the puck for three periods here, and yeah. Konechny just had enough." He, I, I can see all those players on that bench feeling the same way. We're just frustrated and we're worried that, you know, we all used to talk about the Philly flu. Oh, we're scared to go and play the Philadelphia Flyers because of what's going to happen. Now maybe we're going to see the Philly fade. Like, is this the beginning now maybe of where you start to see, okay, first month is over, everyone's got their legs, teams are distinguishing themselves, and Philly's chasing the puck. Well, I think there's something to that, Jeff. Uh you know, I think that hard work, which Philly does, and, and playing hard, I think in, in short stretches can make up for a lack of talent uh, or compared to other people. And I, I think that over 82 games, though, I, I think it's impossible. I, I, to me, in 82 games, as long as everybody's competing, talent beats out hard work. And, you know, we're going to see that with Philly. They, they, they do play hard, but they're just top to bottom, they're not with the other teams in the East. So I think there's something to that. I have no problem with a guy like Konechny being a bit of a sore loser. 
you shouldn't accept losing easily um, as long as you don't go over the line. And I don't think he didn't go. I don't think he went over the line last night. Like obviously Matthews got under his skin. And the other thing too is that should be remembered here is it's not like Matthews didn't engage. Like he gave a couple of whacks back and I think he should do oh, yeah. that. I have, I have, I have no problem with that. Um, you know, I, as long as Konecki doesn't go over the line, um, you know, I, I don't have a big deal with him reacting the way he did. Like the other quietly, and I realize that not everybody's watching Anaheim last uh, the, uh, these days. But you saw who got fined by the league the other day for a, for a bit of a pitchfork. Yeah, Trevor Zegras, and you know Trevor yeah. Zegras is a guy who's been pushed around a little bit. He's you know he, he he got last year he was in the middle of all that Arizona stuff. He got hit hard in a clean hit against Arizona and hurt. I don't think it's a bad thing at all for Trevor Zegras to be sending a signal saying, look, like I'm getting tired of this. I have to stand up for myself. And if I have to take a small fine to, I'm sure Matt Benning doesn't like it as much as everybody else did. But, you know, if I have to take a small <laughs> fine to, to show people that I'm going to be a little bit more serious about giving it back here, uh, I think it's important he does that. You know, I felt uh, I felt bad for last night, and we're probably going to be saying this uh, a lot this season, considering how we're seeing shots on goal this year so far for the Philadelphia Flyers. I felt bad for Felix Sandstrom. I felt Play bad hard. for Sandstrom because he gave it every. He played it hard. Yeah. They threw forty-four shots at him, and he couldn't. And he stood on his head. Still couldn't get a win. Uh, the skate blade comes off after the Austin Matthews shot, and you know I was yeah. texting with someone this morning who said, "What What do you want to bet that John Tortorella makes him change his skates now?" So that doesn't happen anymore. Like this is like this has happened more and more. Like it's and one person I talked to this morning, uh, who's a goalie trainer, said like, "Look, like uh, this is happening way too mu- way too much uh, in the goalie world, whether it's in junior and college and the pro level as well." I don't know if there's anything manufacturers can do about it, but he had no chance on that third John Tavares goal. No, like he could no. not. Like that was he just left it. He just left an open open net for the for the hat trick goal. I I felt awful for Sandstrom last night. You know, and I think you texted me this last night, but you know how I'll be wondering about Philly's next game will be Sanheim. Like, you cannot let Tavares yeah, undress you like that. not good. You, can't, you cannot do that. And Sanheim's too good a player, and you know, like, no. you know that Tortorella's looking at that and saying, you know, take the body. Yeah. That one, uh, that one can't happen. Okay, so... That's the Maple Leaf Philadelphia Flyers story from last night. The other one, and I was mentioning this off the top, what a third period by the Buffalo Sabres. And just when we had finished, you know, just when we got our jaws up off the ground about that Sergeyev pass to Kucherov the night before in the Tampa-Ottawa yeah. game, there's Owen Power with maybe the pass of the year. Like, Elliot, we've seen teams bite on a, pa- on a shot before. Everybody yeah. chomped on that. Like, what an elite play by the rookie to slide it over to Olofsson for his goal in the third. Just beautiful. Well, you know, so many, so many, so few teams play man to man anymore, Jeff. That you you can do that against zones. You know, you can do stuff like that. And uh, I, I guess you know the, the the thing is is that I, like the players, like the players, the IQ on them just seems to be so much greater than it's ever been. And maybe yeah. it's because you know we don't allow people to clutch and grab as much anymore which is a good thing that you find you have more time in the offensive zone to see things and, and make plays like this. Like, like I, I agree with you that, 
that that was that was a hell of a play. And you know, like uh, the, the one thing I think in this league now is that because they generally do a better job, at least you know, compared to the '80s in terms of the clutching and grabbing and the interference. I know there's some people always out there going to say it's still uh, too much. Fine, but it's it's miles and miles and miles better than it used to be. I think if you're like a strong skater uh, in terms of power, like if you're like whether you're tall or you're short, if you're a bit of a block, like a strong person or, or a fire hydrant or something like that, and you can and yeah. you can get through people, you can make plays. Now that's a little bit different. That's vision. But I'm watching Tage Thompson last night. And now that this guy is confident, now that he's confident and he believes in himself, I don't know how you stop this guy. Like, like, like Nathan McKinnon can handle him, uh, I think, but there's, there's not a lot of guys who can. And like that, that's what I see in Buffalo. I see a team that is full of, like, like it reminds me a little bit, they're not as good as Colorado, but what I saw in Colorado last year was a strong, was a, pow- a group of powerfully built people that can get through anybody, and I'm starting to see that in Buffalo. It's a it's a powerfully built group in a lot of cases. I mean, there's still some small guys there, but there's a powerfully built group that, like, when they start going, they think they can fight their way through everybody, and I see that confidence manifesting itself all over the ice. Here's how the game has changed. I, I, I love this example. So let's stick with the Buffalo Sabres. If you took two players out of that dressing room, okay, mm-hmm. and just had them in their suits and put them up against the wall, and it's 15 years ago, okay, and one of them mm-hmm. is six foot six, and the other is 5'10", and I said, mm-hmm. Elliot, one of these players is a center and one of these players is a defenseman. Mm-hmm. What would you have said? Which one? Which one is which? Is the six foot six guy the center or the defenseman? Fifteen years ago, he's a defenseman, right? And the five ten guys, Darian Hatcher or Larry I just, Robinson. Yeah, I just described to you Jacob Bryson and Tage Thompson. Yeah, one's there, five, there's ten, no question six, that's six. true. Tage Thompson's the center. It the, the the game has completely changed, and you don't need to be. I, I know it's. Like, I, I'm still of the belief that you can't have, you know, an, an entire blue line of guys that are 5'10". And, you know, we see that maybe with the, the St. Louis Blues you were mentioning yesterday. Um, Scott Perunovich and Tori Krug, can they both exist on the same blue line? Jury's out uh, on that one, and both are hurt. Um, but the, the, the game has changed in that the forwards are huge now, Elliot. And I think back to something that Steve Eiserman said coming out of the lockout. Coming out of the lockout 2005 and the rules changed and everybody was like, oh, this is going to be, you know, this is, this is crazy, no obstruction, defensemen are going to get killed. And Eiserman said, this is better than ever for big guys, where everyone else was saying, oh, this is going to be great for little water bugs and smaller hockey players. And Eiserman said, no, 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 this is good for big guys. If you're a big forward uh, as, an, as an F1, like you can do whatever you want now on the forecheck. You can do whatever you want in the offensive. Like, Iserman nailed it right out of the gate, where everyone thought this was going to open the doors for the smaller players, and it has. But he said the real beneficiaries here are going to be the big guys, and that trend continues now. Elliot. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's great, Jeff. And I, and I think that, like, I, I think that, and that's why I think a lot about Colorado. Um, and, and the thing is, is that 
one of the reasons they finally won is they realized is they had a they had a system where it was like a maze to get through. And you had one long guy. Somebody compared it actually to watching the Raptors. Like the Raptors, they talked last week about how they like length on bodies. Mm-hmm. Like that's their whole philosophy. And Colorado was like that. Going through them was like going through a maze. It was one big, strong, long guy after another. St. Louis was built like that when they won the Stanley Cup. Like you remember their yeah. defense. There was bunch of tall, long guys who were a bit nasty, like Petrangelo, Pareko, like even the guys like um, even the guys like uh, Gustafson, and uh, and um, I'm missing one of the obvious one that I can't remember. Right? Oh, Bowmanster. Like they were all they were all just long yeah. and lean and wiry and strong and nasty, and it's just like you have to get through that, and it's hard to get through that. I'm. I, well, you know, anytime I can be on the same side as Steve Eiserman uh, uh, on an argument, I'm happy to be there, except when he says that all reporters are stupid. <laughs> that has never changed, by the way. He will never budge from that. Um, no. There's a uh, – r- r- real quick before we wrap here, there's some uh, there's some bangers tonight, man. There's some really good games. Carolina-Tampa. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. um, yep. Seattle is in Minnesota. The Kraken coming off that win against Calgary. Flames and the Preds. Yep. Uh, yeah. The Canucks at home against the Anaheim Jersey, Ducks. Anaheim's Edmonton. won two in a row now. That's the big New one Jersey, that I wanted Edmonton. to get to. I just want to mention a couple more. Yeah. Vegas, Ottawa. That's going to be that's going to be a good one. Uh, Panthers and Sharks. Just because we all love watching Eric Carlson right now, but. Man, the New Jersey Devils. I mentioned that the Buffalo Sabres are a truck. I mean, the New Jersey Devils are a freight train right now. Winners of four in a row just dusted the Canucks. They face off against the Edmonton Oilers, who are just, you know, as well, have the ability to lay waste to teams. Uh, here we are with the New Jersey Devils and the Edmonton Oilers. The fir- Should we say, Elliot, this is the first real big test for the Devils? I would say it is, and the, and the Oilers are really going to. You know, we've talked about this in the sense that you can't blame the Devils for beating teams that didn't make the playoffs last year. They're on their schedule. You can only beat who you're assigned to play. And besides, if if they weren't winning these games, we'd be ripping them for not beating bad teams, right? So you you have to yeah. beat who you're up against. I I really I'm really looking forward to this game tonight. You're right. There's a bunch of great games. Um, you know, the Devils, for example, they're one of these teams. They're really skilled. They're not very big. So you've got a team in Edmonton that is big and strong and fast. I'm looking forward to seeing how the Devils handle that. I think it's a great test for them tonight, and I'm looking forward to it. But I have to say I am looking forward to BXA, his official one-day retirement, uh, most importantly today. And his wife, uh, Katie, has a book launch tomorrow night, her second book, Cedar. It is nice to see there is one literate parent in the family. There's one talented Bieksa, and it ain't Kevin. <laughs> no, oh, there's, gonna there's be a wonderful three. Night for there's him. three. It's two of the kids, too. Don't True, forget actually, the kids. kids, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Um, okay, listen, enjoy the rest of your walk. We'll catch up tomorrow, and enjoy the games tonight, man. 13 games on the board. Pick them, enjoy them, and we'll, uh, we'll talk tomorrow at noon. All right, Merrick. Speak to you tomorrow. There he is, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada on his daily walk where he joins us every day to kick off the program.